Now, before I forget, if there's any children that need to go to, uh, I believe, to their children's time, that they can be dismissed at this time. If not, uh, just sit right where you are, all right? For some of you, I haven't seen you since June, okay? Most of you. But if you don't know who I am, I'm Tim Morrow. I was uh, with you in June and enjoyed being with you and preaching. I do work with Texas Baptist as serving as your Central Texas area representative and helping you in whatever ways that uh, we can and serving as a resource. And know of our continued prayers for Main Street Baptist Church during these days of transition and uh, for leadership. And I want to thank you for your prayers because uh, for this, uh, I ask you to pray for us because we have been seeking an executive director. And we are thankful that uh, Dr. Julio Guanari, who is the pastor of the Calvary Baptist Church in McAllen, Texas, is to be presented on Monday, September the 18th at our executive board meeting and to be presented as our next executive director. So I thank you for your prayers and ask for your prayers for Dr. Julio Guanati in these days of transition in his life and in the life of his family. And uh, just want to thank you because uh, you're part, one of our 5,300 uh, Baptist churches throughout this state, and uh, understand that you all have a goal of about $7,000 for our Mary Hill Davis State Mission offering of which you'll hear more about in the coming days. And uh, I look forward in being with you, Lord willing, I'm to be with you the next three Sundays through October 1. And let me just encourage you that, um, you know, it's still a known fact that most people will come and will attend to church if by kinship or by friendship. That is about close to 90% that if you invite somebody to come to Bible study to worship, Listen, coming to hear the preacher is like 5%, okay, all right? So it's you, it's the personal relationship with you that if you would invite someone and invite them because there are people that have special needs in and through their life and uh, that you can invite them if someone that doesn't have a church and they would share the day, the time with you in Bible study and worship together. I ask that you take your Bible this morning, and if you would, would you turn with me to the Old Testament, to the book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 43. And I want to read to you three verses this morning and talk to you a little bit, as I did in the early service, on victory in the valley of fear. Victory in the valley of fear. And I'm thankful that Alan chose that song a few moments ago, no longer a slave to fear, that I am a child of God. And we hear this today, and we hear this from the Word of God today, from the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah 43, verse 1. Let me read these verses to you. But now, thus says the Lord who created you, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you, for I have called you by your name. You are mine. And so when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. And when you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. You know, every one of us, we all face fears, don't we? 
It begins in childhood. It ends at the grave. I did some looking up on some generations of that, uh, what particular generations have feared and fear even now. And, uh, you know, my great uh, uh, research is found through Google, like many of us and everything. So I just kind of looked up this and looked up particular generations. For example, I looked up the silent generation. Silent generation are those who were born prior to 1946, and maybe that's you. A lot of it's our grandparents or those that have gone before us, but uh, the silent generation is our oldest generation. They were born, this particular group was born in a period of uncertainty, a time of economic turmoil, where have we heard that one before? They were born in a time of economic turmoil of the Great Depression and a fear of a looming war. I can remember my grandmother saying oftentimes, she can say, and you know, she lived through the Depression, she said, little boy, you just don't know how bad we had it and all. And so I said, well, I guess so, you know. And so I would listen to her tell me these stories. So that's the silent generation. That's part of their fear. The boomers, which are some of us, born between 1946 to 1964, uh, they named the risk, get this, Name the risk of dementia as a great fear that is reflected in the amount of research being done to prevent that dreadful disease. So that's part of that particular generation. Uh, for our most recent generation, which we would call the, um, the Gen Z, the Zoomers, uh, our oldest son is doing a doctoral thesis on uh, preaching to, to the Generation Z, preaching to that particular crowd. And it was that particular group that was born between about 1997 to 2012. That's our, our kids, our grandkids, and, uh, you know, those that we particularly know. They totaled about 68 million, and get this, they are known as the anxious generation. Now, how'd you like to be known as that? the anxious generation, and this particular generation has a fear of a lack of finances and a lack of fulfillment in their own life. So we all face fears, don't we? Beginning in childhood, concluding at the grave. And if you live long enough, sooner or later, you'll find yourself, I believe, in the valley of fear. Now, it's not the helpful fears that that keep you alive. I'm not uh, speaking of the of the fear of the reverence of our holy God that keeps our heart in tune and our relationship with Jesus Christ intact. But I'm talking about the hurtful fears that if we're not careful that they can shorten your life. I'm talking about the kind of fear that drives you to your knees, the kind of fear that uh, puts you in that panic place, the place of anxiety. Uh, maybe that's why God says over and over in His Word, in fact, there's uh, 365 promises, 365 a day, where God says, do not fear. So we have that promise for every day. Do not fear, fear not, do not be afraid. I think sometimes most of us are kind of like the man who said, uh, you know, I don't have any problems with eternal life. I don't have any problems with salvation. I don't have any problems with dying. It's just the next 24 hours that I'm most concerned about. Well, when you hear that particular news that places you in shock, 
that leaves you totally blank where you really don't know what to say, thoughts go running through your head, well, just welcome to the valley of fear. But here's an interesting observation. Much growth, if not all growth, takes place in valleys. You know, uh, you never see things, you know, I love the mountains and especially love the cool of the mountains and especially in this time of year. But you know, when you think about it, you never really see a lot of things growing on top of a high mountain. You only see things that are really, really growing in the valleys. And our Heavenly Father knows that we need those mountaintop experiences and those valley experiences to help move us along in our faith. The mountaintop experiences are good. But it's in the valley that helps us to continue to grow, that they have a way of deepening the roots of faith and driving us to God. Here's what another prophet said, the prophet Hosea. Hosea chapter 6 and verse 1 says, Come, let us return to the Lord. He has torn us to pieces, but He will heal us. He has injured us, but He will bind up our wounds. Now, the prophet reminds us, that without experiencing tearing, that we would never experience God's healing. The valleys help develop our walk with God. I love these songs we sang this morning, but I think one of one of the first contemporary songs that I ever learned was back in the 1970s, and it was called Through It All by the late Andre Crouch. And I love the verse that says that I thank God for the mountains and I thank Him for the valleys. And I thank Him for every storm that He brought me through. But if I, or if I'd never had a problem, I'd never know that God could solve them. I'd never know what faith in God could do. Is it possible to grow and experience victory in the valley of fear? I can say to you that you can reach that point and thank God For that particular valley, for there you will sense his presence and his peace. Now, you may not want the valley of fear, but there are some things that we would never, ever learn without that particular valley. God wants to use that valley to drive you into an intimate fellowship with him, to develop your walk with the Lord Jesus Christ, to deepen your faith. He wants to use the valley of fear to mold you into the person of faith and trust. And as you walk through the valley, you discover just how much that you trust God, that you must trust God. Now let's go back to that particular passage that I read a few moments ago in Isaiah 43. In Isaiah 43, the children of Israel, they were living in the valley of fear. The people of God are in exile. They're they're away from their homeland. They're away from Jerusalem. To, To think that they were uplifted and they were displaced about 700 miles east from their homeland in Jerusalem. So they have been in exile. They are in exile. And God was promising them that even in exile that they had no reason to fear captivity. And in Isaiah 41 through all the way chapter 44, 
a proclamation that God is greater than our fears. In fact, in those four particular chapters, God says seven times, Do not be afraid, fear not. That as the Jewish remnant faced the challenge of that long journey home, of that long journey going back to Jerusalem, of beginning again of their particular life and their homeland, the difficult task of rebuilding their life and home, they could think of many, many causes for fear. But there was one big reason not to be afraid. The Lord was with them. The Lord would see them through. The Lord would sustain them. Valley or no valley, mountaintop or no mountaintop, regardless of your circumstances, regardless of your situation, you are His. Listen, nothing can change that. Not even the valley of fear. Here's what the Apostle Paul said, Romans chapter 8. He said that in all these things that we are more than conquerors through Him, who loved us, and nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, thank God today, He's never going to leave you. He's never going to forsake you. We just read a few wonderful passage from the 139th Psalm. There's absolutely no place that we can go to hide from God. If I go here, if I go there, God is there. He's there with us. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. Thank Him as you may have to walk through the valley of the shadow of death, that you fear no evil, that, Lord God, you are there with me, that your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now, what did God teach the children of Israel while in the valley of fear? And for our life, my life, and your life today, what value is there for your life, my life as we go through this particular valley. All right, look at these three things real quick like. Number one is fears no longer need to dominate you. Fears no longer need to dominate our life. Now hear the word of the Lord again in verse 1. Fear not, God says, for I have redeemed you. Now what a great, great promise. As God sees you, He says, look, He says, You are mine. And because you are mine, unhealthy, unholy fears no longer have to dominate your life. Now, it's wonderful to belong to Him and be known by Him, especially when you're in a valley, especially when you're in the valley of fear, and when you're not sure what is coming next. That there is peace to hear God say again and again, just as he said to the prophet, and I think these scriptures are on the screen, Isaiah 41 verse, verse 13, For I am the Lord your God, who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, Do not fear, I will help you. Now, if you think somehow this morning that you're holding on to God, I've got news for you. You're not holding on to Him. He's holding on to you. Psalm 34, these words in verse 4, the psalmist says, I sought the Lord, and He answered me, and He delivered me from all my fears. 
The psalmist again in Psalm 118 in verses 5 and 6 says that in my anguish I cried to the Lord and He answered by setting me free that the Lord is with me. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? Now you know what our problem is? Our problem is is that we fear man. Or we fear the news of men and women so much because we fear God so little. But when you begin to have a a healthy, respectful fear and reverence of God, of the holy God, that your fear of men and women or whoever it may be dissolves, not to mention your fear of the future. I have this little note. A little note says this, the fear of the Lord is the fear that conquers every fear. Okay, let me say it again. The fear of the Lord is the fear that conquers every fear. Get this, the fear of man is the fear that leads to bondage and defeat. So the fear of the Lord is the fear that conquers every fear, but on the other hand, the fear of man is the fear that leads to bondage and and defeat. God says, do not be afraid, for I have redeemed you. God says that you don't have to fear regardless of the valley, or regardless of what the doctor says, or regardless of that test, regardless of that MRI, uh, regardless of the situation, regardless when that phone rings during the middle of the night and your heart stops. And here is why. God says, I have redeemed you. You are mine. Now that word redeemed is a wonderful biblical word. It literally means to release something, to deliver somebody, to buy something back. And when God says that I have redeemed you, He is saying that through the blood of Jesus Christ on the cross over 2,000 years ago, that He purchased you, He bought you in order to release you from the bondage and the burden of sin, including your valleys. Now, when Jesus steps into your life, When Jesus comes into your heart and His Spirit fills you and you trust in Him, then from that moment on, you belong to Him. You are His purchased possession. And let me tell you something else about fear, okay? If you belong to God, if you belong to God, fear of the future is a waste of the present. Because the opposite of fear is trust, or we might say that the opposite of fear is faith, faith in God. And time in the valley is a time for trusting God and not fear. Here's what Proverbs 29 verse 25 says. Fear of man will prove to be a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. Fear and trust. Or at opposite ends. Amazing, isn't it? You can't, you can't be trusting, uh, while you're fearing God. You can't be fearing while you're trusting God. When, when fear moves in, trust moves out. When trust in God moves in, fear moves out. You know, what fear says is this. God, you know, 
I'm really not sure that, that, that I can trust you with this situation. Fear says, Lord, I'm not sure that you're going to, to come through this time. Uh, fear says, Lord, uh, you know, this valley may be too difficult for you to handle. It's when you're in the valley trusting God rather than fearing man that you discover that with God that nothing is impossible with Almighty God. So fear no longer has to devastate you. Let's move along. The flood no longer has to devastate you at all. Uh, When you pass through the waters, God says, He says, uh, I'll be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. Now, you notice, God did not say, if you pass through the waters... Or if you pass through the rivers. No, he said, when you pass through these. And so you mark it down. That there will be those times when you feel overwhelmed. When you feel that you're over your head and you're about to drown. You know, there's something about a flood, isn't there? Just ask Noah, okay? There's something devastating about a, about a flood. And we see news reports. I mean, we pray for rain, but, you know, we, we don't want a flood, do we? But we see reports of where there are floods in, in certain places of our, of our nation and of our world. I can remember about 15 years ago, uh, went from June the 8th to about July the 1st, that in the state of Iowa, and if you're from Iowa, you might be able to remember this, But from June the 8th to July the 1st of 2008, 78 out of 83 counties in Iowa were declared a disaster due to floods. Now, you know, that's hard because that's our farm people, isn't it? That's our agricultural folks, isn't it? And many of those people lost their, lost their crops through all of this and lost their, their prized possession through the particular floods. And where some people got this particular idea, I don't know, but they, they say something like this. Well, I thought that when I uh, gave my heart and my life to the Lord Jesus Christ and I got saved, that I would be free from all of the struggles and all of the storms. Well, let me tell you this. They didn't get that from the Bible. They didn't get it from God's Word. Jesus said that in this world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. God promises that whether our flooding is ankle deep, knee deep, up to our neck, over our heads, that we can know that floods no longer have to devastate us. And here is why. The presence of Almighty God, I will be with you, God says, when you pass through the storms and you pass through the waters. Now, you know, there's something calming and comforting about the presence of God. That in His presence, that there is a peace, that there is comfort, that there is rest. And it is a choice on your part and my part that you will trust in the Lord and not be afraid rather than being afraid and then trusting in the Lord. 
He can release you of the fear that grips you. Trusting Him and the valley of fear brings peace, brings strength. Acknowledging His presence brings assurance and hope. Here's what God said to some of His servants. Look at this. To a Moses, He said in Exodus 33 verse 14, My presence will go with you and I will give you rest. To his disciples, on the night before his death, Jesus said to his disciples in John fourteen sixteen, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another comforter, another counselor, speaking of the Holy Spirit, to be with you forever. Again, to the prophet, God says in Isaiah 41, verse 10, So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be discouraged. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you, and I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Fear not, for I am with you. God says, I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you. Now let me ask you this. How many different ways and times does God have to tell us something before we can trust him enough to release our unhealthy fear? We don't have to face any valley alone when we are his. Regardless of how deep the water gets, Regardless of how strong the current may be, fears no longer have to dominate us. The flood no longer has to devastate us because of the very presence of God. Now finally, fires no longer need to destroy you. Here again, God says, he says, when you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. Now again, not if you walk through the fire, but when you walk through the fire. And just as the floods come, so will the fire. There's no escaping the fire, but you can endure the fire. And that's what God says here. Now, you know, when I think about fire, and I think about fire in the Bible, I think about those three Hebrew young men named uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You remember there in the book of Daniel that God didn't take them out of the fire. That he took them by the hand and he led them through the fire. Now God never left them and he will never leave. He will never forsake you. And... The three Hebrew young men, they said to the king, they said to the king Nebuchadnezzar, said these words, Our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us from your, from your hand. Now, they also made another great statement of faith, and I think it's one of the greatest statements they said. But king, let let, let me tell you this. Even if God decides not to do so, we're still not going to bow down to your idol. Because he is our God. Well, King Nebuchadnezzar just said, well, we'll see about that. So, the three Hebrew boys were tossed in the flames. You ought to know the story that afterwards that the king looked in the furnace. And he said this. Look, 
I see four men loose. We put three in, didn't we? But I see four men loose in the middle of the fire. And they're not hurt. And get this, the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Let me tell you something about that fire. The pre-incarnate Jesus Christ was there waiting for those three Hebrew boys. He was already there. Just as he was waiting for them to see them through the fire, get this. Listen, even in our day and time, he's waiting for you also. He was already there before you arrived. And sometimes the only way is through the fire, of walking through the fire. When you belong to God, you become his child. You're in His hand. Fears no longer need to dominate you. The floods no longer need to devastate you. (laughs) The fire no longer needs to destroy you. And as you go through the fire, you just remind yourself that God is faithful. God will always be faithful. He has always been faithful. God is faithful to His people. The Apostle Paul said this. He said, look, he said, if we're unfaithful, He remains faithful. Valley or mountaintop, you can count on God. So be thankful. Because He is sure you can be safe. He is faithful in our lives, even when we may be unfaithful to Him. And we're not walking as we should. God is faithful to His promises. Tucked away in the book of 1 Kings chapter 8 and verse 56, it was Solomon who said, Praise be to the Lord who has given rest to His people Israel just as He promised. Not one word has failed of all the good promises He gave through His servant Moses. And again, the apostle said in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 20, For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ, and so through Him the Amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Finally, I say today that God is faithful to our praise. Just as it was with Paul and Silas when they were in prison that the chains of bondage and the burdens fall off as we give praise to God. Start praising Him for God is faithful to our praise that fear fades in the presence of praise, in the presence of Jesus Christ. Historians tell us that for a quarter of a century after World War II that uh, incidents like this that I'm about to tell you were occurring. They say that all over the Pacific after World War II that uh, there were certain Japanese soldiers that were being found holed up thinking that the war, that World War II was still going on and that this happened as late as 1970. It is said that one soldier stayed in a cave for 28 years in the jungles of Guam. He ate anything he could rustle up. And for all those years, he was a prisoner of fear, 
fearful that the Japanese would find out that he was a deserter of the army, that he was afraid of the hated Americans. But the war was over. It had been over for years. Americans were now driving Hondas and Toyotas, vacationing in Tokyo. And I say to you this morning, the war is over. Jesus Christ is the victor. He won. His cry at the cross was, it is finished. And that cry was the cry of triumph. He offered amnesty and forgiveness. We can all go home. But, on the other hand, there's an enemy, isn't there? And he doesn't play fair, does he? And the enemy, Satan, doesn't want you to know all of that. And what Satan would like more than anything to do is is to keep you holed up in the cave of fear. Would you believe, maybe you've talked to some before, I've talked to a few believe that many people do not come to God, will not trust in God, not necessarily because they do not believe in Him, but because they're afraid of Him. They're afraid of what God will do to them if they come to Him. Whatever it is in your heart and your life today, whatever fear it may be, Whatever it is that you've done in the past days, you remember today how much God loves you. God loves you. He knows you. And He has a plan for you and He draws you to Him today by His Spirit. Today, do you know God? And do you have a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ? Jesus says that I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but by me. It may be a fear in your own heart and your life today to come to God. Listen, let this day be the day that you release. And you step forward today and you say, I take Christ to be my Savior, to be the Lord and the Master of my life. He'll do so today as you invite Him. If you need to come and speak to me, talk to Brett, talk to someone today about giving your heart and your life to Christ, then listen, you come to us because do not go away today without the Lord Jesus Christ. And if in your walk as a believer that there has been a fear today, listen, you just remember that wonderful song we sang in these scriptures today. Listen, we're no longer a slave of fear. Listen, we are a child of God. And for this we do give thanks. Give thanks into his name. Would you bow with me as we pray? Father, we thank you, Lord God, for this day. We thank you, Lord, that you know us just as we are. You know our name. Father, you love us just as we are. You know every situation about every individual, Lord, today. And I pray, Lord, that if there are some here today that are a little bit reluctant and just trusting in you, turning their fear over to you, that maybe there's some that are going through the valley right now, 
Lord, they'll help to know that you have won and that you have won the victory and that Jesus Christ is Lord, Jesus Christ is victor, and Lord, that your spirit that comes to live within us, that there's absolutely nothing that can separate us from your wonderful love. We thank you for this and for the assurance that we can have in you, dear God. Bless this church in these days and use them, Father. And Lord, that our eyes and our heart will be focused in upon you to do your will, to do your work in Jesus' name. For it's in his name that we pray. Amen.